which I entitled, or the, the title is uh, God Set Eternity into the Hearts of Men. God Set Eternity into the Hearts of Men. Let me read from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 1, and verse 2, and then verse 11. The Bible reads, There is a time for everything, a season for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot. And of course, it goes on. You can read it in your own time. A lot of things that are mentioned here. Then verse 11 says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men. Yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. God has set eternity in the hearts of men. Yet they cannot fathom what God has done from the beginning to end. Psalm 48 verse 14, the Bible reads, for that is what God is like. He is our God forever and ever. And he will guide us until we die. Very interesting. He's our God forever and ever. And while we are here, he will guide us until finally we take our exit from this world. But then we are going to be with him. Psalm 116 verse 12. How can I repay the Lord, for all his goodness to me, I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Let us pray. Lord our God, we want to thank you so much for your powerful word. Thank you, Lord, that you give us perspective of our lives, that you give us an insight of why we are here and where we are going. Lord, you don't leave us in the dark, but you're giving us clarity through your word of your great and uh, amazing plans for our lives. So, Lord Jesus, we pray that today, Lord, give us greater insights, give us greater understanding. Let us be able to fathom what you are doing from beginning to end. Even so, we may not catch everything because we are human and we have limitations. But Lord, open up our mind and uh, allow us to see that which you have revealed to us. To you be the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's amazing that God gives us an insight when he talks about time, you know, uh, every one of us must realize that we depend on time. We depend on space. That is our, our habitat today. Okay, without space and time, we cannot be able to live. And uh, when uh, we come to the end of our existence, our being here, you know, when we run out of time, then we will just be memory. Now, that is not the whole story. That is only part of the story. And this is what Scripture tells us in this uh, very powerful uh, Scripture of, the, of Ecclesiastes chapter 3. You know, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 tells us that God has made time and seasons for all things. Everything that we require to live, everything that we enjoy, everything that we go through, uh, God has given us space and time to do so and to live in this particular moment in which we are. But we all realize that time is short. And no matter how long somebody lives, when life comes to an end, we feel it was too short. It, we feel uh, there should be more than what we can be able to experience and see. And of course, uh, that feeling is uh, actually very true because uh, what is going to be experienced in this world, in any one of our lives, 
It's just a little, little fraction of what God has planned for us when he created us, when he designed us. And that's why we must understand that space and time is not everything there is. There is more to our lives than just the here and now, the time and the space which we have. Of course, we all realize space is very important, time is very important. You know, uh, when, we, when we grow up, we come to a moment when we realize how precious space is. And then, of course, we come to a moment when we feel we should have our own space. Maybe we will buy our own land, we buy our, build our own house. We want space for ourselves. Very important. And, of course, we know how important time is. And uh, time is a gift that often we don't value enough. You know, so many of us, maybe all of us, we squander a lot of time. Because time is what God has given to us as a gift, 24 hours. And yet, even if you are squander five minutes, uh, you can't re recoup it, you know, it's gone. If you lose five kwacha, maybe you can find some five kwacha somewhere else again, okay? Uh, even so, you may still be short of that five kwacha which you lost. But five kwacha and... Uh, Five minutes is a big difference. You know, very often we are very casual with time. I think we all realize that when there is a set time to start a meeting, we are not there. Okay? We are coming late. We are missing out on certain things because we are not time conscious. And yet, time is made up of every single minute, of every single second that we have been receiving from the hands of God. So time is important, not just the years, not just the months, not just the weeks, not just the days, but the hours, the minutes, and even the seconds, because these are the, the building blocks of time. Now, the Bible tells us that God has given us time. He has made, he has appointed a, a particular season, a particular time, and it's our gift, okay? Whether we take it or not, that's up to us. Whether we squander or not, that's up to us. But it's God's gift to us. But then God has not created us ultimately for time and space in a world that is not going to last, but he has created us to be with him in eternity to be with him forever and ever. And I think that's very important. And this is what this scripture is telling us. You know, God says he has made everything beautiful in its time. Okay, look at these uh, flowers here. This is their time, and they're beautiful because that's their time, okay? If you leave them here and you come back in a week or two and you don't do anything to it, then they're no longer beautiful because their time has passed. Their time has gone. And so today you are alive, I'm alive, it's our time. So we can be able to shine, we can be able to, to, to really be the kind of uh, persons that God wants us to be while we are here in this time. And we should all realize time that God has allocated to us is precious. Even if things are tough, even if you're going through difficulties, temptations, hardships, you know, Always remember, everything is beautiful in its time. And this is God's time that he allocated to you and me. So we should be thankful for this time. But that's not where the story ends, okay? Thank God for his time. But the story does not end with time. The Bible says that God set eternity into the hearts of men. And that is amazing. Okay, so in other words, we are living in time and we will be in living in time until our time has finished. And when we come to the end of our time, you know, we always have the feeling, you know, this is too early. When somebody leaves us, like, it's too early. But time does come to an end. And we need to understand that we are not just composed 
for time, but actually God composed us for eternity. While he has given us time, and time is important because that's where we have to become. That's where we have to be transformed. That's where we have to become into the very image of the living God that originally God has put into us, but we lost through sin. So God has given us time that these things that were lost can be recovered again. But then let us understand that we are more than just creatures that live at a particular time in a particular space. No, we are people who have eternity set into our hearts. Now, when God created mankind, he did not create mankind to die, okay? Man was never meant to die, okay? Man was meant to live in time and then transition into the God life along the way without this. But since now this has come, we are going through that painful experience of dying, you know, and uh, uh, the reality is that from the time of our birth, you know, when we are coming uh, into this world with, with an amazing uh, set of capacities, uh, experts tell us that we are beginning to die, you know, that some of our cells begin to die from the very early stages of our lives. You know, the brain that God has given to us is so powerful, so big, and yet some of the cells that, uh, you know, are, are given to us at our time of birth are beginning to die because we are living in a, in a limited world, in a sinful world, in a fallen world. But then there is an element that God has put into us and that element means we live eternal. He has put eternity into our hearts. So in other words, when you look at somebody, don't look at somebody just as he or she is today. Okay? Or what you expect of this person maybe uh, in 10, 15, 20 years of time, you know, sometimes we look at our children and we envision what they could be in this world. <clears throat> but we should always have a greater dimension in mind <clears throat> and we should be able to see that God has uh, put eternity into the heart of man. So in other words, God has given us a soul that lives forever. It will not die, it cannot die, because it is of the nature of God. And God is not able to die, you know. <laughs> well, he cannot die, he is life himself. So that, that soul that comes from God, that God has, was, was, was breathing into our lives, you know, giving us soul and spirit, uh, that will never, never die. Of course, when I say it will never die, that does not mean it will be like God all the time because we will only be like God if God can be able to live inside of us. If we reject God, yes, our soul will still be living forever, but we will be separated from uh, the presence of God Almighty. Now, God gives us an insight into his own nature and we need to know the nature of God so that we understand our own nature as well. Because if we understand that God has created us in his image and likeness, we will only understand what it really means when we understand God himself. And of course, <clears throat> none of us will fully understand God, revealed himself in his word, and whatever we can know about God, it is given to us in this book called the Bible. Now let me read the scripture from the book of Isaiah 43. Isaiah chapter 43. The Bible reads here, But you are my witnesses, O Israel, says the Lord. You are my servant. You have been chosen to know me. Believe in me and understand that I alone am God. That I alone am God. This is powerful. 
So God is saying to Israel, and I believe we are the New Testament Israel, we are the body of Christ. He says to all of us, but you are my witnesses. You are my servant. You have been chosen to know me. Believe in me and understand that I'm alone. I'm God. Okay, so we are chosen to know God. Okay? There are a lot of people who just talk about God. You know, like you know that famous story about uh, blind men who were touching an elephant and all of them thought that they know how the elephant uh, is made up. Some of them, of course, touched on the, on the ivory and they thought it's very hot. You know, others, uh, they were on that, another one was on the tail and he says, very soft. And others were touching else. And so they had their own descriptions about God. But we are not blind. When we come to know Jesus, when we come to know our Savior and Lord, God opens our eyes and we are able to see, we are able to get an understanding about the nature of God. And that's what God says. You know, God says, you are my witnesses. Praise the Lord. You know, if you know Jesus, if you have been saved, if you have been born again, you are a witness of God. Praise God. You are here to speak about the nature, the love, the goodness, and the kindness of the living God. We are his witnesses. And he says, you know me. You have been chosen to know me. Praise the Lord. Isn't that a powerful Revelation that God has given to us. So you have been chosen to know alone. I'm God. There is no other God. There has never been and there will never be. Okay? There is no other God. There has never been one. There will never be one. Apart from him, the Almighty. Yes, God says, yes, I am the Lord and there is no other Savior. Verse 12, first I predicted your rescue, then I saved you and proclaimed it to the world. No foreign God has ever done this. You are witnesses that I am the only God, says the Lord. From eternity to eternity, I am God. No one can snatch you, no one can snatch anyone out of my hand. No one can undo what I have done. Hey, praise the Lord. Isn't that a powerful revelation that God is giving us? You see, the carnal imagination of mankind is uh, that you need a lot of gods in order to create all of the things that are in this world. That's why, you know, if you go to the old Greeks, they had so many different types of gods. They, they have a god for this, a god for that, a god for something else. You know, even in some of the religions that you see, uh, you know, uh, present in our world today, uh, there are so many gods. Sometimes, some of the religions you have so many gods, you can't even count them. And if you want to have another one, you just make another one and add it on it. Because the idea is, you know, uh, there must have been many in order to create all of the things that are there. Now, that means we, we, we really have no understanding about the living gods. Because God is not dependent on the arm of flesh. He doesn't need so many of them uh, so that they can be able to accomplish what, what he had planned to do. Actually, God is God. He is one, the Almighty. And, and we need to recognize that God has called us out of darkness into his wonderful light, and then we become witnesses of God, of what he's able to do. 13, 13 says... When you cry out for help, let your collections of idols save you. Okay, there are some people who were so much believing into idols. Okay, and God says, okay, let your collection of idols save you. And then he says, the wind will carry all of them off. A mere breath will blow them away. But the man who makes me his refuge will inherit the land and possess my holy mountain. Wow. You know, idols will never be able to do anything. Idols cannot speak. Idols cannot feel. Idols cannot help. 
You know, you can pray to them as long as you want. You're wasting your time. But then, praise God. We have a God who will never be carried away by the wind, but who has made the wind. Okay? Who has created all things. And the Bible tells us very clearly that we, when we, when we make him our refuge, will inherit the land and possess his holy mountain. In other words, we will be able to take possession of what God has prepared for us in this world, but we will also be standing with him in the world of eternity. You know, that's what the holy mountain is, 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 is describing. We are standing where God is going to uh, invite us to in the very own presence of our God. And it will be said, build up, build up, prepare the roads, remove the obstacles out of the way for my people. For this is what the high and lofty one says, he who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place, but also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit. Praise the Lord. So in other words, if God would only live in the highest place, then we would be in trouble because how would we ever get there? But actually he has come to be in our hearts, in a lowly and contrite heart. You know, in a heart that is able to recognize that he's God, a heart that is able to recognize I need him, I've sinned, I need to be forgiven, I need to be rescued, I need to uh, be adopted into the family of God and God is going to do it. How powerful. So, I live in a high and holy place, but also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. I will not accuse forever, nor will I always be angry, for then the spirit of man would grow faint before me, the breasts of man that I have created. So in other words, God who created us is a God who has compassion with us. He knew that we had our weaknesses. He knew that we would fall. And that's why he prepared Christ, the Savior, for us. So that he would be able to rescue his investment in our lives. Okay, he set eternity into our hearts and he wants to see that investment pay off. Okay, and that's what he's doing today. You know, that's why we are here living in time. That's why we are going through the ups and downs of our world. That's why we are taught lessons to trust him, to keep our eyes on him, the author and the finisher of our faith. So God is busy working in each and every one of our lives. Now let's understand that God is beyond our sphere of understanding. Okay? Now God says he wants us to know him. And that is the privilege that we have as children of the Most High God. We can know him in ways and means other people who don't have a relationship with God cannot know him. You know, uh, when, when people talk about God, many times they talk about something they cannot describe. They don't even know the concept. When we talk about God, we know that God is love. We know that the God is our creator, that God has a plan for our lives. But even us, as children of the Most High from the beginning, we cannot fully fathom, we cannot fully understand all the plans of God from the beginning to the end. And that's why God calls us to believe him, to trust him. Our brain will never be able to catch the fullness of eternity. In fact, eternity is outside of our realm. Okay, we, we, cannot, we cannot catch uh, eternity. The concept of eternity is foreign to us because, you know, when we were born, we were born in time. So we have a beginning, we have an end. We live in space. We cannot live everywhere at the same time. You know, we can travel, yes, but, but uh, if you are in one place, you cannot be at a, another place at the same time. Of course, we have tried to overcome some of these restrictions, 
You know, today we can have Zoom calls and we can be in one place and still appear and be heard in another place. But in reality, your body can only be in one place. Isn't it? So we understand that while we are here in this world, we look up to God knowing that he alone is eternal. He alone can be anywhere at any time at any moment. And that's why we believe in what Jesus says, there were two or three are gathered in my name, I will be in the midst. Okay? So Jesus is with us here. You know, don't see him because he doesn't have a human body the way he had that body when he was walking on the earth. But he's still here. He's very much around. He's very much able to speak to our hearts and our lives. And we thank God for that. So God has made time for us to be alive today. And we should, we should you know, appreciate the time that God has given to us. When time elapses, that means we will no longer be. I mean, if my time elapses, then I will no longer be. The only thing that will be left will be memories. Okay? But then, the good thing is, there is eternity God has set into my heart. And the eternity that God has set into my heart will mean that I might leave this present, visible world. I will no longer live in the space and time of this world, but I will be with God because God set eternity into my heart. So every one of us has a hidden commodity inside of our hearts that does not expire. Praise the Lord. You know, it's agony when you buy things and you come home and you find when you read the expiry date, it has already expired, but you have spent money on it. Or maybe you have kept some things in your, in your cupboard and you're saying, okay, this one, we are going to eat it next week or in two weeks' time. And when finally you take it out, you find it's expired. That's agony, isn't it? Have you, have you experienced that? Okay. So, you know, in this world, everything expires. Even us, we will expire. But the commodity that God has put into our hearts does not expire. Okay? Scientists, you know, came to the conclusion that there must be something in this world which they call the God particle. Okay? So they are looking for the God particle. There was a scientist called Peter uh, Hicks. And he had, uh, you know, described the Higgs boson. Whether you understand it or not doesn't matter. But just to, to tell you, scientists are always on the, on the hunt trying to explain how is this world going to exist and why is this world existing. And so they feel there is one particle which they call the God particle. Uh, they think they found it, but they really didn't find the answer to the questions of life. Because the answer of, question, of the question of life is in God, not in, in a particle. And so they are saying, you know, that particle is what makes the universe go round. If that particle disappears, the whole universe is going to collapse. Okay, you can read it on Google or Wikipedia, whatever. Very interesting. So science recognizes there must be something that they cannot fully explain. And actually they are right, except their conclusion is wrong. Okay? The Bible tells us, yes, there is something that human beings cannot explain, and that is the God particle inside of us. Okay, God has put eternity into our hearts so that we do not only live in time, but that we live in eternity. And God has created us so that we live in eternity, not just anyhow, but in eternity with him, not separated from him. Not away from the love and goodness and kindness of the life of God, but with him. And that's what the Bible calls that we are going to be with him on his holy mountain. Okay, when we trust him, when we believe him, then we will be able to come to that place where he is. Okay, where he is having his dwelling. 
And again, you know, when I say his dwelling, don't, don't think about a house. Don't even think about a mansion. Don't think about anything you, that you can see in this world because it will always fall short. And that's why God says, never make a picture of God. Never make an image of how do you think God looks like because you will always, always, always fall short because we cannot understand God. We cannot understand eternity. Because everything in our imagination, everything in our world is three-dimensional, has beginnings, has ends. Isn't it? But God is eternal. From eternity, I'm God. That's what he says. And he will be who has been in the past. He will be in the future. The word of God says yesterday, today, and forever. He is the same. Because he's God. He's almighty. So we need to recognize that God has brought us into this world for a purpose. He planted us into this, in, in this world. Let me read from the book of John chapter 12, a scripture that I believe we all know quite well. Jesus said, now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. Praise the Lord. You know, what a, what a, what a powerful word. You see, Jesus who came from the Father and lived in this world for a season, for a time. You know, the Bible says when the time had fully come, God sent his Son born from a woman. So in other words, the set time that uh, required Jesus to come into the world was predesigned in the heavenlies. So God the Father sent Jesus Christ because he loved us and because he had a great plan for us, not just in time, but for eternity to come. We see the things that we want to plan for our existence here and now. And I'm not saying that is wrong, but we must have a greater vision about what is waiting for us in the, in, in the world of God? So Jesus says, now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. So Jesus realized, Jesus knew, Jesus had no doubt about that because he came from God the Father and he knew he would go back to the Father. And that's what many of us don't understand. You know, I mean, look around, we have... So many people who are religious, but, uh, you know, when you see what even religious folk can do, you get, sh you shudder, you, you wonder, why, why would people who believe in a God almighty be able to get involved in all kinds of things that are not really uh, meant to be? So Jesus says, my time has come to enter into his glory. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted into the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their lives in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servant must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Now this is a powerful revelation. Of course, you know, uh, everyone who has ever planted anything will fully understand that you don't plant something just because you have nothing better to do. You know, you, you're trying to pass your time. When you plant something, you have the harvest in mind. Okay, whatever you plant, you are looking for a crop at the end of the day. Okay, you're looking for a harvest. And, and this is what uh, Jesus reveals to us. You know, Jesus came into this world and he was like a kernel of wheat being planted in this world. And just like you know, we as uh, farmers or as gardeners are informed by the very purpose of God. 
Okay? God plants for a purpose in order to have a harvest. So we understand that if you are a farmer, if you're a gardener, if you're planting anything, it's because you are going to expect the harvest to come from that planting, isn't it? That's the information that God has put into our hearts and our lives, and we, we intuitively understand. So when a time, when a time comes to plant, you know, it is always that we have the harvest in mind. Otherwise, there is no purpose in planting at all. Okay, There's no there is no purpose in sowing seed if, you, if you're not uh, expecting a harvest. Otherwise, you would just be throwing away, you would waste your, your seed. Okay, So a, a seed or a planting means that you are expecting a harvest. And it's important that we understand that God planted Jesus to come into this world at a set time. Not at any time, but the Bible says when the time had fully come, God sent his son. Do you know that there was a time for you to be born? A time that was set, designed that God has made, not only for the whole of mankind in general, but for you and me in particular, okay? And we must understand that we didn't just get born, you know, by chance on such a day or such a day or another day, you know, but God set the time. Okay, maybe this is too big for us. Maybe we cannot fully comprehend that because really, I mean, uh, if, you, if you wrap around your head about this, can you imagine how great God must be in order to know each and everyone's life, even everyone's birthday, everyone's conception day, everyone who is living in this world, you know, carry through until finally we are coming to the time of the harvest when our time elapses. So we should understand that wheat will grow or whatever plant we're planting is grow. Okay, we understand from the scriptures that wheat and weeds grow together. And eventually, you know, uh, they will be harvested together, but then they will be separated. You know, weeds will be thrown in the fire and wheat will be put into the barn. So we are here in order to let God grow us and not grow us into useless stuff, but grow us into something that has value to be harvested. Every one of us is here to be harvested one day, okay? You have been planted. You have been designed. You have been brought into this world, just like Jesus. And there will be a day when God will come for the harvest. So our nature, that's very important. So our nature will determine our eternal destiny. You know, if we are wheat, we are wheat. If we are wheat, that nature inside of us will determine what destiny we are going to have. And while we all have been wheat, okay, that means we have all been sinners. We have all gone astray. We have all missed the glory of God. But the Bible is very clear that when Jesus came, he made us be born in a new life. Okay? We are now becoming precious in the hands of God. We are becoming, you know, a worthwhile harvest that is growing inside. So we have a new nature. And that's why the Bible tells us that we should take off the old nature and it should be buried in the water, you know, in the water of baptism. This is a picture, of course. But the old nature is supposed to be taken away and the new nature must be able to grow in a wonderful new way. And that nature will determine us to be in the very presence of our God.
Now, Scripture tells us that the perishable will be closed with the imperishable. Let me take you to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 53. This is a very classical scripture. Every one of us should take time to, to, to study that scripture because it really gives us insight. 1 Corinthians 15, 53, for the perishable must close itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been closed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. This has been swallowed up in victory. Where all this is your victory? Where all this is your sting? The sting of this is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us victories through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Hello? Stand firm. Let nothing move you. What powerful words, you know, of encouragement that God gives us here. Let nothing move you. You know, we are getting so often moved by all kinds of waves and winds. Uh, but but the, the word of God says, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Because you're not dependent on the things surrounding you, you're depending on the Lord. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. We all realize it is painful to transition from this life to the next life because right now it means this. Okay, and Jesus said, unless the kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies. Okay, this is the reality. This was not planned that way by God. Because as the scripture has said, you have heard, this is the wages of sin. It's a result of sin. If you had never sinned, you would not have died. Jesus would not have died because he never sinned. If it was not that he took our sin upon his own shoulder and therefore laid down his life on our behalf. If mankind would never have sinned, we would have just been finishing our transition and gone to glory without ever having had to die. But unfortunately, it was not to be like that. So now God has a rolling timetable, okay? Every human being that God has prepared in his design, in his eternal design, has a chance to come into this world, into this time that God has set, okay? And we will be here for a while, and eventually we'll be able to leave, disappear. All of us, we have generations and generations and generations of people who have gone before us. Even so, we don't know them. You know, the people that you know, maybe your parents, your grandparents, maybe your great-great-parents, and then it stops. And then maybe you have heard about one or the other uh, who was, uh, you know, maybe having influence in your family uh, about someone's life, someone's, uh, you know, really know much about our history. It's very limited. But God knows our history. And God has brought us into this world at a perfect time. When the time had fully come, God made a time for everything, for you and for me. God set a time for your birth and my birth. And God set a time for the moment when he comes to harvest us. Okay, and harvest means that you have completed your race. You have fulfilled your purpose in this world. Okay, so this is a reality. But this is just an entrance door into eternity. And that is what we must not miss. 
So the Bible tells us that the perishable, and we know that in this world everything is perishable. Everything is perishable. Including ourselves. I mean, I'm sure you have heard of the earthquakes. I've just heard of this city uh, that is almost completely destroyed. I think it's called Antioquia or something like that. And it was the city of Antioch, which is in the Bible. You know, this is the city where the people first called the followers of Jesus Christians. That's the city that was destroyed in the earthquake. The death toll by now is, I think, over, over 40,000 uh, 40, in, in, in Turkey and maybe another 10,000 in, 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 in Syria. We don't know exactly. You know, uh, and all this happened within just minutes. You know, huge buildings, huge cathedrals, huge mosques were turned into rubble in powerful and strong just disappeared in a matter of uh, only minutes, not even hours or days. Even so, others were still alive under the rubble and eventually died because they couldn't be rescued. So we, we must understand, everything has its season, everything has its time. And time is a gift, but it will expire. It will come to an end. You know, God will come one day, even in our own life, and he wants to see how he can harvest what he has planted. So let us not make God come to our lives in vain and not find any good harvest, but let him find something good. You know, a farmer is planting in order to have a good harvest. A farmer is not planting in order to have weeds. Yes, weeds will grow along somewhere, but that one will put aside. But he will plant to have a benefit from the harvest. So scripture is very clear that everything that is perishable, and you know in this world everything is perishable. Even mountains sometimes will be falling. In fact, uh, through these earthquakes, Big rifts have opened into the, into the ground, you know, that were not there before. Uh, you can see the world is changing. What we must understand is God is eternal. And we need to trust him. We need to put our hope and our future in him. The Bible says, but the man who makes him his refuge will inherit the land and possess his holy mountain. What a powerful promise God gave us. Eternal design. So our time depends on God's eternal design. We had a time to be born, otherwise we would not be here. Isn't it? We have a time to live, and we have a time to live today. This uh, Sunday morning where we are gathering we have a time to live, we have a time to breathe, we have a time to gather, we have a time to rejoice in the very presence of our God. Isn't that powerful? And thank God we have, we have utilized that time. We have come together. Others may not have utilized that time well, you know. Others may have come uh, in, their own, uh, in their own time or late or, or never, you know. But thank God you are here. Thank God you have utilized this time that God has given to you because it's God's time. Okay? And it's God's time to work on us, to engineer us, to transform us, to make us what we ought to be at the end of the journey. Okay, Jesus says, I'm going to glory. My time is coming. I'll enter into his glory because he had completed his journey. He had done what the Father had sent him to do. He had lay down his life at the cross of Calvary, he rose again from the death to bring us new life. And that's why he said, I'm now going back into glory. My job is done. 
The question is, have you done your job? Do you understand why God brought you into this world? Do you have a clue why God allowed you to live in this season, in these moments, and what the purpose is for your life? Many of us, we are getting informed by the standards of the world. We think we need to become rich, we need to become influential, we need to do this and the other, and we, we, we try by all means to achieve that. But these things are just secondary. What is more primary, what is really primary in our life is that we trust in the Lord, we let God transform our lives, we are no longer people who are full of greed like the world is. We are no longer people who are stealing and, and, and killing, but we are people who give, people who, uh, you know, bring encouragement, you know, help others to find a way to life. That is why we are here. People of Israel, he said, you are my witnesses. You are my servant. You have been chosen to know me, believe in me, and understand that I alone am God. And you have been given all this knowledge and understanding so that you can lead others to Christ. That you can tell others about the purpose of their lives. So God is working things out in every single one of us to accomplish his wonderful purpose. In the book of 2 Peter, chapter 3, verse 18, we read, but grow in grace and knowledge. Okay, hello? That's the purpose, okay? Here and now, today, you know, as we are listening to the word of God, grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. Okay, so God says, grow in grace. You know, when you send a child to grade one, you don't want that child to be in grade one for the next 12 years. Am I right? You send that child into grade one, which of course is basic. We all know that. But grade one is important because it gives basics. But then, of course, once grade one is done, there will be grade two. There will be grade three. And it will go on like that. Okay? And when God says, I want you to grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that means... We are starting this gross perspective. You know, it's giving us the ability to uh, grow by leaps and bounds into the very calling that God has given to us. Why we are here in this world. What we are here in this world for. First Corinthians chapter 9 verse 24 says, Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. Okay, run to win. Thank God. We are not in sports, in a sports arena where only one can get gold and the other one gets silver and the other one gets bronze and the other one gets nothing. Okay. <laughs> but in God's arena, we can all win. We can all run our race in such a way that we will win the prize. Amen. And that is when we grow in grace. When we grow in the knowledge of the Son of the living God. And this is really, truly powerful. In the beginning, I read the scripture of 40, uh, Psalm 48, verse 14, where it says, For this is what God is like. He is our God forever and ever. Okay, he's eternal. He's not like us. He's not having a beginning, and he's not having an end. He is from eternity past, and as he says in this other scripture I've been reading, he is from eternity to eternity. 
I'm God from eternity to eternity. Now, imagine we cannot even understand one eternity. How can we even understand from eternity to eternity? This is beyond us, okay? But thank God, yes, he is an eternal God. And God says, he is forever and ever, and he will guide us until to our end in this world, which is the beginning in the new world, okay? When the, Im when the perishable will become imperishable, when the mortal will be turned into immortality. That's our future. And that's why death is no longer a threat to us. Death will be swallowed up in victory. And the question that uh, is being asked in Scripture, where or death is your victory? Or death, where is your sting? Because the sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But Jesus dealt with those issues. That's why we have the ability to overcome. That's why we can live in the presence of God Almighty. So Jesus revealed God to us as our Father, to whom Jesus will take us. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the, you know, the, 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 the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way. That's why he came. That's where he's taking us. Okay? We need to have perspective. Our life does not come to an end at one particular moment when finally our body is going to give up on us. But that's when we are going to be turned from the perishable to the imperishable. That's when we are turned from the mortal to immortality. That's when we are going to enter into the very place where Jesus has gone before us. What is mourning and painful on our side is glorious and enjoyable on the side of God. And we must never forget that. So Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Please take note of this. There's a race marked out for every one of us. You know, when you are doing sports and you are doing, let's say, a 100-meter sprint, a uh, 100-meter is not 99 meters. A 100-meter is 100 meters, isn't it? So you cannot say, okay, me, I, I, I would have won if it was 98 meters or 95 meters. No, it's 100 meters, okay? It's marked. In, in football, in soccer, there are rules, isn't it? And some people, they are always moaning and says, ah, we would have won if it was not for offside. And sometimes, you know, uh, referees will be insulted because they say, no, this was not offside. You should have given this goal. But there are rules. There are markings. You understand? And we must understand that God has marked out our course of life for each and every one of us. I enjoy my life. I thank God for the day when I was born. But I thank God not only for the day when I was born, for the day when I was conceived. But more than that, I thank God for the day when he designed me even before the foundation of the world. Okay? And because it is God who brought me into being, it is God who authored me. Okay, who put me into this world, who, who gave me the gifts and the talents and the abilities that, that I have. That's why I want to give praise and honor to my God. Okay, I'm not what I am because I'm so clever. No, I am who I am because of his grace. As Paul said, it is true for me as well. I am who I am because God gave me everything that makes me who I am. Praise God. Isn't that powerful? And even today, you know, God is still busy working in my life to, to make me who he wants me to be when the day of my harvest comes, okay? And the day of my harvest is a glorious day. For some people, they may be sad, you know, but for, 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 for God's 
from God's perspective, it will be a day of glory. Okay, when Jesus died, it was a day of great trepidation, you know, for a lot of sorrow for those who were close to Jesus, those disciples, the mother of Jesus. But for Jesus, it was a glorious day. It was a day of victory. It was a day of fulfillment, a day of harvest. And that is supposed to come. Actually, it's not supposed to come. It will come to each and every one of us. And so the Bible tells us, let us understand the race that is marked out for us and let us run this race with perseverance. Don't look at the problems left and right. They will always be there. They will always be naysayers. There will always be discouragements. But keep your eyes upon Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And that's what the Bible tells us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. He has started the work and he will bring us all the way to the finishing line. And not just to finish, you know, somehow I've arrived. No, but the finish which is a glorious finish. Which is, you know, uh, what God had designed for his own glory. And that's why Jesus said, now is the time. The time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. Praise the Lord. So our completion is not just a finishing where I think I'm finished. You know, Jesus was on the cross and he said, it is finished. So he had come to the finishing line, but he was not finished. A lot of people looked up to the cross and said, this guy is finished. But no, he was not finished. But he finished the work. And he came back from the grave with glory. He, he, he buried the perishable and he rose imperishable. He changed his body. You know, his body was able to, to enter a house without opening the door. Okay, try that. It will hit your head. Okay. But Jesus did it. Okay, and you and I will be able to change the perishable into imperishable, the mortal into immortality. So God has a purpose for each and every one of us. And let us not forget, not, not forget that he is at work. He's at work in each and every one of us. And we need to learn to make him our refuge so that we inherit the promises that he has given to us and that one day we will stand with him on his holy mountain in his very own presence. God is a good God. God has a wonderful purpose for each and every one of us. So whatever mourning, whatever pain we may go through, let us see beyond that. Yes, of course, we are human. It's very natural that we go through these things. But we need to see the greater reality in God. And remember, God said that we are his witnesses because he has made himself known to us. And never forget that. Be a witness of the glory of God, of the grace of God in your life. And remember, God has given us so much grace that we can grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Lord our God, we are so grateful for your word that you give us with great clarity. Lord Jesus, thank you that you have not left us in limbo. You have not left us without having a clarity of understanding. And so we may not understand all the things that are in you because you are eternal, you are God. Yet you have revealed so many wonderful things to us. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you help us, that we are true witnesses of the life of God that we have received as your dearly beloved children. 
Thank you, Jesus, that we can be able to show people the way. The way to the Father through Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Thank you, Lord, that we can run our race upon Jesus. No matter what happens around us. Keeping our eyes fixed upon Jesus. Because, Lord, we know that you had each and every one of us in your heart. You brought us out into being. You set a time for us. A time to be born. And we know there is a time for us to leave this world again. But only to be in your presence for good forever and ever. So Lord, we give you praise and we give you thanks for the wonderful grace that is at work in our lives and that is growing inside of each and every one of us. And that's my prayer today. Lord, let these words that we have heard today, this eternal word, that living word, be able to make us grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. And everyone say, Amen. Amen. Amen.